This podcast is sponsored by the Copywriter Underground. It's our new membership designed for you to help you attract more clients and hit 10K a month consistently. For more information or to sign up, go to thecopywriterunderground.com. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 125 as we chat with copywriter Lisa Pearson about conversion copywriting and what that term actually means, what beginning copywriters need to know about this business, how she has leveled up over the past few years, and what it takes to create truly engaging copy. guys. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. So we we met Lisa in a mastermind. It was the Copy Hackers Mastermind, the second version of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a couple we years got ago. To meet. It's been a while. Yeah, a couple of years ago. So we're excited to interview you just to hear about what you've been working on because I know you've made a lot of changes in your business and you've been on a big stage. So there's a lot to dive into today. Why don't we start with your story, Lisa? How did you get into copywriting? Well, it wasn't a direct journey as they never are, but you know, I've been writing my entire career. I started with journalism school, then moved from there into public relations and corporate communications. You know, I did take some time out at one point to have kids, but my career was mostly in the communications world. And it was like one of those random moments, as they tend to happen, that I was on a swim deck. My kids are competitive swimmers, and I was talking to another dad, and I was just talking about what I did for a living. And I said, but you know what? I don't get to do as much writing as I would like to do. And he said, well, I have a small digital marketing company, and I never have people to write the copy for my website. He's like, I'm stuck doing it. My clients don't like doing it. Do you think you'd want to help? So it kind of just started with there. They were really a small businesses, you know, companies that had no marketer or anything like that. So I just started writing some web copy and blog posts. And it was, you know, it fit well with my experience, especially, you know, the journalism part, I could write a blog post. But you know, like anything, the more I learned, the more I realized I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I knew how to write, but the digital marketing side was more of a mystery. So, you know, I do what we all do. I Googled and I started learning and, you know, actually started to do some guest posting on some blogs like marketing props, but I still felt completely overwhelmed and lost in the world. I was just, yeah, no idea what I was doing. And it was around that time that I discovered copy hackers. And I thought, what in the world is this about? I mean, you need to have a strategy to get people to click a button? What? Like I had no idea. And so I did a little bit more reading and eventually applied to the mastermind, like we were just talking about. And I really felt like I had no business applying. But I knew I could write, you know, I had some of those guest posts under my belt. And so I was accepted. I didn't actually even know what a mastermind was. <laughs> I had never term before. I thought it was like school, like I was going to show up with my pencil, 
and listen and learn. And it wasn't like that, of course. We had to participate, and I really didn't feel like I had the experience to actually offer any feedback. But, you know, it changed over the course of the mastermind, and it was probably the most valuable professional experience that I have ever had. And I also like to point out that it was like during that time, that sort of part of the mastermind just before, that I was actually going through a divorce. Like my life was changing. I was like this newly single mom and it was like sink or swim time. So, you know, I got into that mastermind having no idea what to do, but just really like, I have to do this. I have to put away any fear or imposter syndrome and just do it. And it was really hard. I want to ask you about that whole decision to join because, you know, when you say, Hey, you just took the leap. So many things in our businesses, you know, it's like we kind of know that there might be something out there, but we're not sure exactly what it would be. Like walk us through that decision. Why did you leave and, and how did you find, you know, the, the energy or the commitment to jump in with both feet and just go for it? Yeah. I mean, it was a whole life decision. It wasn't just career. It was like I said, I was going through a divorce and that was a really hard decision to make. But it was just one of those things where I realized that pretty much everything I was doing in my life up until that point was for other people and not for myself. And I knew I had more to offer both in my life and in my career. And I just had that feeling inside as we do and just decided that I needed to do something, especially as the mother of two daughters. And I realized that I was setting this example for them that it is okay to be in a relationship or to be in a job that isn't fulfilling and isn't making you happy, but it's making everybody else happy. It's meeting everybody else's needs, but it wasn't meeting my own. So, you know, it's hard. It was really hard, but I had to, I just felt like I had to make that decision, especially when I put it in that perspective of what I was teaching my kids. Okay, so you joined the mastermind and you had this first client. You know, talk to us a little bit about how you found other clients and what you were doing as you were just getting started to try to get that traction and bring in enough money to support you know, this new family situation that you were in. Yeah, so I mean, I, like I said, I, I really decided that I had nothing to lose. So I was just, you know, I started off like going on Craigslist and just trying to find things that I could do. I would try to talk to other people a little bit and see if they had things. And, and it just kind of slowly went from there, you know, I would get a new job and it wouldn't be great. I mean, I wasn't charging very much and just doing the work. And yeah, it was a lot of hit and miss, a lot of trial and error, seeing what I liked to do, what I didn't like to do. And then just sort of as I went along, I really discovered how important it was to have relationships with people and talk to other people. And I couldn't just sit behind my keyboard, you know, looking for work that way. So, you know, when I started talking to more people and, you know, making those relationships, you know, it might not come up right away. But I mean, I've had conversations with people and I'll hear from them a year later and like, oh, I've thought of you when this came up and it kind of works that way. So, you know, I'm an introverted person. So having that, that was a big deal for me to actually get out there and start talking to people. So I know you mentioned a couple of times, this time in your life is really hard. You know, divorce is hard. How did you handle all of that emotionally? And like, even beyond emotionally, how did you just handled becoming a single parent and then operating a business and having a teenager and doing all of that? 
Yeah. I mean, looking back now, it's like, wow, how did, how did I do that? Now, as far as single moms go, I have an amazing support system. My ex-husband is very involved with my kids. I have grandparents. I have friends. I mean, I have, I'm really lucky in that sense that I have this really great support system, but I'm also, you know, it's still, I'm the only one paying my mortgage and, and that kind of thing. So there's that stress, which is huge. So one of the things I do, I mean, that's as far as taking care of myself as I'm a runner, I'm a fairly serious runner, I've been running for 30 years, probably. And I run a lot. And that really helps me not just in, you know, getting the exercise and all the benefits that exercise provides and sort of calming the mind. But it really teaches me a lot about how to run my business and how to develop my skills. I'm constantly looking at my running as a lesson to me. You know, it's all about putting the miles in. I'm just constantly putting the miles in and it may not pay off. And some days you get your ass handed to you, but other days you feel like the wind is at your back. But the more consistent you are and every time you show up, it's making you better and making you stronger because running to me is all about what's in your mind. And it just gives you a stronger mind, how you deal with pain. Running to me is about how you deal with pain and working through it. So I'm always thinking about that when I'm running my business. If I have a bad day or something didn't go with a client that I was hoping that the way it would, I know that it will get better if I just keep putting in the work. Yeah, I love that you mentioned running. I run too. I feel like we should start a copywriter runners club. So anyone interested, we can go to races around the country or world. So can you talk about some other life decisions? So you have the life decision to start putting yourself first. And I know during that time, you'd made a lot of decisions and a lot of changes beyond just the business. Can you talk about some of those other life changes, small or you know large that you made during that time to put yourself first? Yeah, I mean, I was working, I was a contractor doing corporate communications type of work. And I just stopped. I quit. I probably quit sooner than I should have financially to make that decision. And I don't recommend people do that before they're ready. But that's just the way that I did it. Because I think I was on, you know, this journey to really, like I said, jump in and do it. And I'm not sure if I would have made the same decision now that I did back then, even though things are turning out well, it was a really stressful time. So that was a a big decision. Some of the smaller decisions are just, you know, making sure that I'm setting up my day properly and making sure that I get enough sleep and those little things that can make all the difference in the world when you're dealing with stress and change. It is so much easier to deal with that when you've had your seven or eight hours of sleep and eating well, making sure I'm eating well during the day, because I know a lot of us that work from home, you know, I am definitely guilty of occasionally just like grabbing a bag of marshmallows and sticking it on my desk. And it's just there because I don't want to get up and stop working and make something healthy. But you know, I've changed those kinds of things. Sundays, I often every other Sunday, I will make big batches of healthy foods, soups, those kinds of things. And I put them in my freezer, so that they're always there for me when I need to have something healthy in the middle of the day. So those kinds of things really help me. All right. I'm putting away my marshmallows. I'm going to see if I can find something healthy. Yeah. So talk about your business today, Lisa. How has it changed since those early days? What kind of projects are you working on? 
So today is primarily client work. I work mostly SaaS technology software, although I do some e-commerce. I'm actually working with an entrepreneur right now who is launching her coaching career, which is not generally my audience, but we were friends and she's kind of like my type of person. So it works. But yeah, primarily SaaS technology software, I actually just started a retainer agreement with a large technology company. I've probably been doing that about four months now. They hired me to write their website earlier this year. And then we really liked working together. So I started doing this retainer thing, which I didn't think I would ever do, but I really enjoy it. I know some people that's like a no-no for them, but I really love this company. They're a great company. They're a big company and they have this incredible gang of engaged and passionate marketers. And I get to work with different people all the time. And it's not a huge commitment. It's maybe 10 hours a week kind of thing, but I've really enjoyed that. I've also done some speaking this year. And then I've also just started doing a little bit of copy training for some copy teams right now. This, these are teams that are in say India and Europe, and I'm having such a fun time with that. That's a lot of fun. Okay. There's a lot we want to talk about there with the training and okay. speaking, but I'm kind of just wondering when things started to click for you, because you talked about how hard it was and now it sounds like things are dreamy. So was there something that you did or a couple decisions you made or something you invested in along the way that helped you take your business to the next level and kind of get your groove yeah, so it's been very gradual. I can't say there there was this moment or this like overnight thing that happened. It's just just sort of that showing up every day. But there are definitely some things that I've done that have helped me. So even earlier this year, I had started on my speaking journey, but I hadn't really gone on any big stages yet. I knew I had them coming up, but they hadn't happened yet. So I knew that once I got on those stages, that that would certainly help with, you know, authority building and that kind of thing. But it hadn't happened yet. So yeah, it's just about reaching out and making those connections. And yeah, I, I wouldn't say things are dreamy. I don't know if things will ever be dreamy. But it's just, again, it's about those relationships about, you know, talking to people and, you know, getting introductions sometimes to people that you might not have met otherwise. But it's, been slow, I would say. Maybe it's not slow. And maybe it's just what we see. There seems to be so many people that it's like, oh, yeah, you know, earlier this year, I was, you know, broke. And now I'm a millionaire kind of thing. And it hasn't been like that for me. It's just been this sort of slow day by day thing where I'm just working and trying to get better and improving along the way. I want to ask about the speaking gigs in particular, okay. how you got yourself on stage, because it feels like you've had a lot of success there where maybe some other writers have struggled that want to do something similar. Mm -hmm. So tell us, how did you pitch? What did you say in the pitch? And what was the response that you got? How long did it take to get you onto the stages that you want to be on? Okay, so this for me started last year year, I was at the CTA conference that Unbounce puts on in Vancouver. And they made an announcement that they were going to start this new initiative. They called it Center Stage at the time. Now it's called Shine Bootcamp. And they were looking to get more women on stages at marketing and technology events. And I thought, okay, great idea. But it never occurred to me in a million years to apply. That is just so against my personality. I'm a really quiet person. I'm shy and introverted. And getting on a stage does not really appeal to me at all. And it was also around this time. So this is kind of a weird story. It's one of those things that just kind of 
happened. And that's when I joined Match.com. And I I had never thought about dating online. Like, that's what my whole story is about. Like, it was just like this whole weird thing. And so like, I went on this date. And it was funny, I was talking to Joanna Weeb the next day. And I'm like, yeah, I went on a date. And she's like, Oh, how did you meet him? I'm like, online. She's like, really? Like, it was just like this foreign thing to us. We're kind of close to the same age. I'm a little bit older. But I mean, you know, I was very young when I met my husband and online dating wasn't around. So it was just like this totally foreign thing. I know, like, everybody does it now, but it was still really weird. And I was just talking to her about it. And I'm like, you know what? they have no onboarding, like they have, it's been really hard to figure out how to use match.com. So I started thinking about it. And then it suddenly occurred to me, I'm like, that's my talk, I'm going to apply to the center stage. And from a copywriting perspective, talk about you know the onboarding and the process and all the things that I think they're doing wrong, which is, you know, not necessarily a typical conference speech that people do. But Anyways, it was my idea. And so I wrote a pitch and um, I got accepted. So this was huge for me. So this boot camp was this two day intensive training where we got to work with experienced speakers who had been on stages. They helped us sort of finesse our talks. So it was a Saturday, Sunday, at the end of the day, Sunday, we all had to get up. There was 15 women. We had to get up and present our 10 minute talk. And it was terrifying. I thought I would have speaker notes on the screen. There were no speaker notes. I completely went blank and I just kind of did my little talk, but they filmed it for us. So I had this, you know, a demo reel or a video of me speaking. So I thought, okay, Lisa, you did this. Don't just leave it now. Don't just drop this and let it, you know, disappear. You need to do something with this. So I started applying. I just went online and I started looking for conferences to apply to. So I think that's one thing that copywriters should keep in mind when they're applying. If they're applying to speak, we have such an advantage as copywriters to writing our pitch. I mean, that's what we do, right? So write your pitch like a copywriter would write a pitch. You know, you're selling yourself to the event organizer, right? That person who's going to hire you they want to know that working with you is going to be easy. They want to know that you're going to do a good job and make them look good. You know, after the event, that organizer wants to feel happy that they had you speak. So you need to get them there. We know how to do that as copywriters. And then, you know, it also helps to have a video. I don't think it needs to be a video of you speaking on a stage. It could be speaking at a smaller event or even just speaking in your living room. They want to see you on camera even if it's cringeworthy. Like the video that I had of myself honestly at center stage it was terrible. You know, I kind of looked and sounded like Rain Man, but more awkward. It was so bad. I want to post it in the show notes now. This sounds so great. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to see it. Yeah. (laughs) No, that will never be the light of day ever again. But they want to see what you look like and what that, you know, you can hold an audience. So, you know, I just went at it like that. And I started pitching. So I looked online, I kept a spreadsheet. And I, you know, wrote down all the conferences I could think of, I did searches for other conferences, I asked around for other conferences. And I was very systematic about it. Some conferences will have a call for speakers, some don't some you have to be invited or have to get someone to recommend you. So that was really helpful with this Shine Bootcamp. It's put on by three women, Steph Greaser, Amy Wood, Alejandra Porta. And they're really doing this amazing job of 
helping women get on stages. So I had them backing me up if I needed some sort of reference or that kind of thing. But I would say if you don't have that, if you don't have those references, or if you don't have an opportunity to speak on stage, it's one of those catch 22s. Well, you know, how do you get on stage if you haven't been on stage? You know, bring up the other work that you do. Tell them your idea. Like I said, write your pitch like a copywriter. Develop relationships with people. You know, get to know them. Pitch ideas. I mean, don't come right out to someone you've just met and pitch it. You know, develop relationships with people. And that can be huge. I know I have been recommended to a couple events by someone I met. And he's been a real cheerleader for me. Like I know I never would have gotten on some of these stages if I hadn't had that relationship. But other stages, like I got to speak at Inbound this year, and that was just like a cattle call. I had to fill out my form on their website, and I got accepted. So I mean, some you get by applying, some you get by knowing people. Wow. Okay. So many questions for you. Can we just back up and talk about Match.com for a little bit, though? (laughs) So are you still on Match.com? I'm not. I was very lucky. I met a lovely man very soon after I joined. On Match? On Match. Oh. Okay, so do you think you had an advantage as a copywriter on Match.com through your communication? (laughs) Absolutely not. And that's what I talk about (laughs) in my talk. Honestly, I was considering copywriting frameworks to write my profile. (laughs) No idea what to write. Everything sounded so... Talk about the pain point, then agitate it, and then give the solution. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was the hardest part. I rewrote it several times. And but like I said, like the onboarding process on match is not very good. They don't really do a lot of help for their new customers to tell you, you know, what a successful profile looks like and those kinds of things. It was really all about figuring it out for myself. And yeah, so yeah, no, I joined match. I met a lovely man very soon after joining. And yeah, I mean, like I said, it is not, I guess, the usual kind of conference talk. So I've gone from being this really introverted shy, private person to (laughs) talking on a stage with 1,200 people about Match.com and online dating. Yeah, it's been weird. Yeah. Okay. I love online dating. I'm just fascinated (laughs) by it. So moving beyond that, what was the impact of speaking on some of these stages, especially the bigger stages? How did that influence your business or help you get more clients or what did it actually do? I would say the biggest thing for me is that it helps my confidence when I'm pitching myself to clients or you're in that client conversation. I become better at speaking. You know, I'm like I said, I've said this many times, I'm very quiet and I've learned that you need to be a little bit louder, a little more animated when you're talking to people. I don't mean like in a cartoon sense, but just, you know, you really need to, you don't realize what you sound like unless you've seen yourself speak. So just from that point of view, I've become much more confident. And I think I come across better when I'm speaking to a client. And it certainly helps, you know, hey, I've spoken on these stages, you know, this is my experience kind of thing. It it adds this extra layer of authority to when you're talking to people. I have gotten clients for sure from speaking on stages. And it's not even necessarily by someone who's seen you like I had one person see my talk. And they were speaking to another person who was looking for a copywriter and they made the introduction that way. So definitely you get that exposure of people knowing that you're alive and where they might not have known before. And, you know, as we know, as copywriters, having a picture of yourself on a stage just lends that extra bit of credibility. It certainly doesn't make you any better as a copywriter. You know, that stuff's already there, but it just gives you that um, edge, I think, when you're trying to find clients. 
Hey, we're just jumping into the show today to tell you a little bit more about the Copywriter Underground. Rob, what do you like best about this membership? So this membership community is full of copywriters that are investing in their businesses and taking what they do seriously. Everything is focused around three ideas, copywriting and getting better at the craft that we all do, marketing and getting in front of the right customers so that you can charge more and earn more, and also mindset so that you can get out of your head and focus on the things that will help you be successful at what we do. There's a private Facebook group for the members of the community, and we also send out a monthly newsletter that's full of advice, again, on those three areas, copywriting, marketing, and mindset, things that you can mark up and you know tear out, put them in your files, save them for whatever, and it's not going to get lost in your email inbox. Carol, what do you like about the Copywriter Underground? So I, I love the monthly hot seat calls where our members have a chance to sit in the hot seat and ask a big question or get ideas or talk through a challenge in their business because we all learn from those, those situations. And then I also feel like the templates we include in the membership are valuable because who wants to reinvent the wheel? And Rob and I end up sharing a lot of the templates and resources we use in our own businesses. So I would definitely want to grab those. So if you are interested in joining a community of copywriters that are investing in their business and in themselves and trying to do more, get more clients, earn more money consistently, go to thecopywriterunderground.com to learn more. Now back to the program. Yeah, I really like that you're talking about building credibility and speaking is one way to do it. Are there other things that you've done in your business to build your credibility as well? This just feels like such an important thing that so many copywriters just get over the keyboard and writing for clients and they don't really worry about building authority and creating other pieces of their business that reflect on them and say, hey, look at this person. They're doing something pretty amazing. Yeah, that is huge. You know, like I said before, I had done some guest posting. And honestly, I don't think I've uh, maybe one or two small jobs from guest posting. Like there really wasn't a direct, you know, oh, I'm going to hire her because she wrote on this blog, that kind of thing. But it just does, you know, when you're sort of putting your little bullet points of all of your experience, I mean, it adds up and it does add that extra layer of credibility, reaching out to other companies or not even other companies, but even companies that you're working with and, you know, thinking of of yourself, I know people have talked about this before as, you know, a consultant or a business owner rather than an employee. You know, I've definitely worked with companies before where, you know, they say, well, I want to do this, this and this. And then you have to take, you know, a step back and say, oh, well, actually, if you, you know, approach it this way, you might be able to do this. And then they suddenly there's that shift that they see you a little bit differently. So there's, yeah, there's a bunch of different pieces, I think, that go into building your credibility with, with clients and other people. Beyond speaking on stage and what you just shared, what else do you think it takes to be a successful copywriter today in a, in a competitive marketplace? What do you think we need to do or have or embody? Oh my goodness, that's hard. I feel like I'm still figuring that part out. I think different things work for different people and you really just need to find you know, what works best for you, what works best for you, but also pushing it a little. You know, I've always felt very strong as a writer, but not necessarily as strong as a business person or, you know, telling someone why you can do a job. I think we often get into that position where we just want the work and we just want to do the work, but we don't want to take it to that next level where we're sort of 
putting ourselves out there a little bit, trying to help a client with a business decision. I think that's a really difficult hurdle for a lot of copywriters to make, at least the ones that I talk to, you know, we just want the work. Sometimes, you know, we just, we're just looking for a job and, you know, it's difficult. I know sometimes you just need the money and you just want to get a job, but I think having that mindset that you can do more and gently bringing that up with a client if you can. Okay. I want to jump back to your mention of the retainer client that you've recently started working on. We've talked about retainers on the podcast before and in the Facebook group and had lots of really good discussions around it, but I'm curious how you've structured this agreement so that it works for you so that, you know, they're not asking for more than you can deliver in the time that is allotted, you know, how you've priced that so that it's successful for you. Can you just share more details about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I've learned a lot from it. So like I said, I started working with them on their website. So we kind of had the opportunity to get to know each other first. So I think because I had established myself as not just a copywriter who is, you know, being told what to write, but rather as a consultant, and I was offering them advice. And like I said, they have a really strong and engaged marketing team. I mean, there was definitely moments where I had to, I guess, push for copy. I I kind of think of my role when I'm working with a company, especially if they don't have a copywriter, I'm the copy advocate. I am the one who is making a case for the, the need for a good copy. And, you know, when you have a large group of marketers, they all have their own bits that they're advocating for. So I need to make sure that I'm being just as strong and advocating for the importance of copy. So when we decided to do retainer agreements, I had already, you know, I think established myself as more of a consultant and not just somebody who was, you know, writing. I wasn't just a person with a keyboard. So when I spoke to them, uh, the way I've structured this particular agreement is they get up to 40 hours a month, 10 hours a week for a flat rate. And sometimes I use up all those 10 hours and sometimes I don't. They don't carry forward, you know, every now and then if they need an extra couple of hours, if I need to fix something for them, then I do, of course, it goes both ways, but it's been really good. They're very respectful of my time and I'm very respectful of, you know, all of the deadlines that they have and the pressures that they're dealing with because they are such a large company they're dealing with multiple parties and trying to get things done so so far it's been a really good opportunity but i think when you're going into a retainer agreement that you really need to be very clear right from the start what the expectations are that you're not an employee you're there to help them not just with the writing but you know with other things too is this the right approach and giving them all the skills that you have just to make it worthwhile. It really sets you up for a better relationship. And honestly, it sets you up to do better work. Because if you're just sending in work, and they just, you know, change it on you, then you know, you're not doing the work that you can do for them. And that really hurts you in the long term, right? If you're not doing work that you're proud of, or that you haven't made a case for. And you know, sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. And that's just part of it. Do you mind sharing rough numbers as far as what you charge for a retainer or what you would charge for a retainer? So yeah, so I think I usually aim for around six to $8,000 a month. I'm talking to someone else about a possible retainer agreement. And yeah, it's one of those things you really need to figure out for yourself. So with my retainer agreement, 
the first month I worked for them, I went over the 40 hours. I'm like, okay, we need to watch this. And then the next month, I did one hour. So (laughs) it really balances out. And I mean, I did not like only working one hour. I felt so, it just felt wrong, right? Like I was stealing money or something like that. But it's picked up and it's been very consistent since then. And it works well for me. I know some people that just would not work for. I like having that relationship. I like learning more about a business and sort of getting to know some of the nuances the more time I spend there. I also like the consistent money coming in every month, quite honestly. I mean, it's nice to know that you have a certain amount coming in every month and not, you know, feeling like you're going to need to scramble to make your mortgage next month or whatever it is. I personally like having that that safety net. Yeah. And do you structure it like a six-month contract and just connect every six months to reevaluate it with your client or is it a year? Yeah, I think so. And we haven't gotten to our six months yet. So that discussion hasn't taken place. So I don't know how that discussion will go at this point. But I mean, so far, like I said, it's been great. They're a fantastic team. So I've, I've been really lucky that way. So let's talk a little bit about being a conversion copywriter. This seems to be Mm -hmm. the title of the day. Everybody seems to be calling them conversion copywriters these days. (laughs) What what does that mean? And you know, what should it take? Is it the kind of title that anybody can claim, or you know, should there be something more to than you know, rather than just calling yourself a conversion copywriter? I know this is like the question of the day. I can't tell you how many discussions I've had about this recently, and. The more discussions I have about it, the more, oh, I don't know. I think there's so much overlap in all different types of copywriting. I almost hate to distinguish myself as a conversion copywriter compared to, you know, a user experience copywriter or a creative copywriter. I think I see it more broadly than other people. I know I've had discussions with some people where they want some answers from me, they want like six tactics that are going to improve their conversions. And I'm like, I can't really do that. I mean, this is all about a process. So I don't think I'm going to comment on <laughs> no comment. other people. Well, other not people taking a stand. Well, no, it's not that I'm not taking a stand. I just don't want to speak for other people. And I think that we all need to, you know, carve it out ourselves for what we decide to call ourselves. And I realize that can be very confusing for people looking for us. But I think as long as you take a stand for yourself, that's, you know, the best you can do. I don't want to speak for other people who call themselves a conversion copywriter. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? I, I, I wonder what Rob thinks about it, because I feel like he's got some strong feelings about this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but this isn't my interview. Yes, this it is. is. <laughs> you have to no, answer. I, I actually, to me, I think there's a lot of crossover between conversion copywriting and direct response copywriting, or what mm-hmm. you know historically has always been DR. Conversion copywriters tend to work online, and so the tools online are all built to enable all of those old direct response principles. I'm not sure that I would necessarily say that anybody needs to certify as a conversion copywriter to call themselves a conversion copywriter. But I do think that people ought to be able to demonstrate results. You know, you ought to be able to demonstrate that, yes, in fact, you do get clicks on the button or you do, you know, create sales on the back end or 
even if it's content related, you know, that you're engaging in some way that moves people into a sales funnel or down, you know, further into a, into a sales funnel with whatever the piece of the marketing campaign is that you're responsible for. So I do think that there, yeah. there should be that line, but like you, I'm not sure that, you know, I would necessarily say, Hey, you need to take this particular course or that particular certification in order to do that. I think you just need to be able to prove that what you say is true. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, what you were saying, the whole idea about conversion is, you know, this is this is like crunch time. Like this is when we want people clicking, but it really starts so much sooner or before that, right? I mean, there's so much that needs to happen before that part happens. And I don't think if you call yourself a conversion copywriter, you can ignore that part. You can't just come in and say, you know, whatever it is. I mean, yes, no, your button should be blue or whatever it is. That conversation needs to start sooner. You can't just expect to hire someone as a conversion copywriter and expect immediate conversions if you haven't done all of the other things that you need to do to get up until that point. All right. So moving on from that conversation, let's talk about copy training because it sounds really interesting that you are training companies now. Can you just talk a little bit about what that looks like and how you got into that? Yeah, this is fun. I was actually approached by someone on LinkedIn and she is a marketing partner with a large SaaS technology company. They're based in Turkey, but they have locations all throughout Europe and India. And she is struggling. She has a very large team of marketers that are writing ebooks and product pages and case studies. And she is struggling to do her job, plus also provide some of the training that her team needs. They're all fairly junior, so they don't have a lot of experience. So she reached out to me and we just had a few conversations and, you know, has asked me to do some training sessions with them. So I did one yesterday. It was like 6 a.m. my time because it was like 7.30 in India. And so we're on there talking about some of the pieces they've written. So I go through them and offer them some feedback on everything from headlines to bullet points and, and that kind of thing. And then they can ask me questions that they have about what we've gone over. And then I'm also doing some one-on-one work with them. They can email me and ask me some questions. Hey, I'm working on this case study. What do you think of this approach? And I can you know, provide some back and forth with them that way. So that's fairly new for me, but it's fun. I really enjoy doing it. And again, I don't think I would have had the confidence to do it unless I had um, had these opportunities to speak on some stages. So yeah, it's been fun. I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. As you're working with these newer copywriters, what are the things that you're seeing, the mistakes that they make, you know, that the rest of us maybe should be avoiding as well? Yeah. So, I mean, just specifically about this team, you can tell that they have experience with writing. And honestly, their grammar is probably far better than mine. You know, English is their second language and they've got all the mechanics down. But it's just the, I guess, you know, making sure a headline is benefit oriented or something like that. You know, everything is very descriptive in their writing, but not necessarily copywriting, not necessarily building a case or making an argument. So, there's just that sort of shift in thinking. To me, I mean, copywriting is a way of thinking, not just a way of writing. So it's giving them that support to help them see that, that they need to be writing for their reader and seeing how it 
you know, doing that customer research and, and, and finding those little bits that will help the reader when they're reading. So, and like I said, bullet points kinds of things, you know, they would just have a few stats and I said, well, we can make these stronger by, you know, looking at these kinds of things or, so yeah, it's interesting the things that I'm seeing. So they had this beautiful introduction on this ebook and it honestly, it sounded like an introduction that could be in a novel. It was like, it was the dying days of summer and, you know, it was beautiful, but it wasn't copy. So it's just sort of a copywriting 101 type of thing, I think. It was interesting. Like they were like, oh, they had never really heard of some of that before. So it was it was fun to share that. I get really excited about that kind of thing. So it's fun to share that kind of information. So if I wanted to package something similar, a training program for different companies, what would you recommend? I mean, I have no idea how to package it. I haven't given it too much thought yet, but I think it would be really neat. What would you recommend as a starter package to test out some type of offer like that? Yeah, I'd like to know that too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally sorting that out right now. Just in this conversation with this woman, yeah, I started thinking about, okay, what can I offer? How can I package this? And I'm still sorting that out. Now, in this particular case, I think, you know, you could have potentially, I guess, a monthly type of package where you would have say, well, let's do four Zoom calls or two Zoom calls where I do a copywriting concept for half an hour. And then we can talk about that concept for half an hour. Or, you know, we can have two sessions a month where we're actually breaking down this ebook that you wrote live, you know, we can work on it that way. We can offer things like the one-on-one help, whether that's like a 15-minute one-on-one call or doing like what I'm doing right now with emailing back and forth. Now, I am sure I am making a ton of mistakes right now, but because it's so new, I haven't, (laughs) I don't have an exact answer for you, Kira. Yeah, you should create a training program for this copy training program so we can all... But I think it's really such a great idea. I'm I'm excited about it. So we should continue chatting about that. Know, for sure. I'd love to hear more about where you're headed in your business. And I know that's a big question, mm-hmm. but you you have momentum. So many things are clicking. I know it's not perfect or dreamy, but mm-hmm. what are you building? What are you excited to build over the next year or so? Yeah, so I'm really sorting that out right now. I just came back from my last speaking gig of the year, which was in the Netherlands. So that was really cool. What? I know. And so I just got back. So I just feel like I'm just sort of like taking a deep breath here and sort of planning out next year. I don't know if I will do as much speaking. I'm sure I won't do as much speaking next year. I don't want to travel as much as I did this year. I mean, I didn't travel a ton, but for me, just like I said, I have yeah. two kids. It can be disruptive if you're always on the road. And so I would like to do less traveling and I would I am definitely going to be exploring this whole training thing more. I want to see how I can reach out to other companies who may be struggling with some of the similar things that this particular company is struggling with. I am sure they are out there. So that's something that I really want to look into. And again, I still feel like I'm I'm learning with the copy. I mean, it just seems to be changing all the time. You know, you learn something and you get really excited about this and then you know, you start trying to experiment with something else, and it doesn't necessarily work as well. So I find that part fascinating, that certain things can work, and then it doesn't work for somebody else's audience. So I feel like I'm still learning some of that stuff, which is really exciting for me, I would hate to be in the position where I feel like I'm always 
writing from a template where it's just always the same stuff, you know, different kind of things. So I, I really like learning that stuff. So yeah, I would say the training thing was probably be the big thing that I'm going to be looking at this next year and doing less traveling. Okay. I'd like to hear now that you talked about your future, what do you think the future of copywriting looks like? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that is really interesting. And I do think about that. You know, there just seems to be, I don't know, there just seems to be this certain ennui or this annoyance with some of the same old, same old tactics that seem to be going around. And I don't know if it's just because those kinds of things that you see tend to be (laughs) done by people who are, you know, are trying to share that more than other people who are actually doing the work behind the scenes. I don't know. I don't even know if this is making sense. But I don't know where copywriting is going. I yeah, it seems to change all the time. Like I just said, with working with other clients, like you find something that works. And then it then it then it doesn't work with with someone else. But I mean, I think that part is just about getting to know all these different kinds of audiences that you're writing for. So I don't, I don't have an answer for you. I have no idea where copy is going. <laughs> but it's okay. As long as you, you know where your business is going, that's the important part. Okay, cool. If you want to direct people to anything like your website or social media, where can they find you? So they can find me. My website is theconversioncopywriter.com. I'm on Twitter, Pearson Lisa J. They can find me there. I've actually been doing YouTube videos. What? I, I know. So I started doing some YouTube videos this summer, and then I got really busy with some speaking gigs. So I will be, I guess, relaunching that in the new year, which has been interesting for me. Again, this whole <laughs> speaking in front of people thing has really changed things for me. I, I feel like it's just added this other dimension to what I do on a daily basis. So yeah, I'll be doing that. I forgot to mention that. That's one of the things I'm going to be doing some more of next year. Like I said, I kind of did it this summer. I was doing it fairly quickly, learning as I go along as you do. But I've been working with someone who's been giving me a little bit of help with that. And I will be launching more of that in the new year. Okay, that's really exciting. Thank you, Lisa. We really appreciate it. This has been so much fun just catching up with you. We need to catch up more often. So it's just really exciting to see your business just take off and grow. And it's really inspiring. Awesome. Well, it's been really nice talking to you guys too. Take care. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.